0: But we still have some green. This is a terrible segue. We still have some green (laughs) (laughs) on trees. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is the well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a marketing leader, consultant and trusted advisor and share with you some marketing street knowledge we've picked up along the way that could bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode recorded on Friday the 1st of October. Thank you for joining us. Hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying the same as you feel you need to be. If you listened last week, you'll have heard me contemplating having a week off as I was at the Next Web event in Amsterdam and my usual Rockstar CMO virtual bar companion, Robert Rose, was busy hosting Content Marketing World. But here we are, a shorter show as I did grab a chat with my other regular guest, Jeff Clark, and I will share some thoughts from the panel I was on at that next web event. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first and only guest segment this week. I'm joined by my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO Advisor and former Research Director at Serious Decisions Forrester, as we return to the good that marketing can do in the world with a chat about CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. Hello, Jeff. Welcome back to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am doing very
1: well. Beautiful autumnal day here in Western Massachusetts.
0: (laughs) Weirdly enough, we also have a beautiful day. We're between showers. I think it's going to tip the rain tomorrow and it rained yesterday, but I have a beautiful blue sky outside my office window. And uh, you're right. It's got that autumnal chill. Yes. or fall chill. If you're going to speak my language, I'll try and speak yours. <laughs> <laughs> And, but we still have some green. I, this is a terrible segue. We still have some green <laughs> trees. <countries. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> and um, last week, we were talking about sustainability. And one of the topics that comes up in that discussion on a, a regular basis is that if you as an organization, as a marketing team, want to project your point of view around sustainability and um, various eco-type topics. Um, you can be accused of greenwashing, and we've seen that. We've seen Correct. brands do that, right? We've Absolutely. seen brands come across very insincerely and be dinged for that. Now, if us as a marketing team want to, you know, have make some positive impact on the world, which I know you do, Jeff. <laughs> um, how do we do it genuinely? And what say you, my friend?
1: Yes, that's a that's a good setup for the topic because that's what <laughs> I, I mean. Yeah, because so oftentimes these programs are these initiatives are called corporate social responsibility programs, CSR mm-hmm. programs, and so you know the, the the question that the marketers should be asking is how do I make sure that we avoid greenwashing? Um, mm-hmm. Just so everybody knows what greenwashing is, you know, it's it's disinformation that that the organization puts out so as to present environmentally social responsible image Mm -hmm. but it really is not so you know i mean here in the u.s we have problems with products that get produced that have a little recycling label on it even though you can't recycle them Mm -hmm. uh or companies have gone out you know in order to you know appear that they're they're doing the right thing you know they buy offsets carbon offsets you know maybe they're trying to protect a forest in place Mm -hmm. or keep a forest in place you know but but our you know what we want to be asking is are we really moving forward are we doing doing things that are having impact mm-hmm. um as opposed to just either treading water or just trying to look good
0: mm-hmm. um
1: i mean you really just don't want to be in a position of making a big deal about something that ultimately yields little returns and therefore you know it's not uh, as you said you know people will ding you for um, yeah you know yeah. for for the greenwashing Um, and it was interesting as I was doing some more research on this, I found that this is, this is definitely an area where there is a lot of, uh, um, growth and potential. Um, you know, if you're interested in corporate sustainability, or if you're just interested in, in, you know, how marketers can contribute, I mean, this is an area where the New York, uh, University Stern School of Management said that there's only 29% of board directors out there have any... Relevant credentials in this area, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I know people who are kind of in the business. I know some people I mentioned a research firm, Lux uh, Research, that yeah, you know that that is really pushing sustainability as an advisory service. So it's an area that there is a lot of growth. And and like you know, like a lot of corporate initiatives, one of the things you know for marketers to think about. Uh, is that you may not be the primary driver, but you do have a role to play. So, you know, we've talked a lot in the past about, uh, on this program, about, you know, customer mm-hmm. experience. Certainly there's yeah. you know, things like employee development, which may be big corporate initiatives. So what's what's our role? And, and when I think about that, I think, you know, it's typically... I think it's between the the CMO, who's got a seat at the executive team, and yeah. and or can be on a cross functional team that's trying to build a sustainability program, and then communications, both you know external PR and internal comms. I mean, you've got that that responsibility yeah. to kind of report to the public on you know what are you doing, what are the advances, and then internally. I mean, if particularly if anything has an impact on the employees themselves. Then you know it's your responsibility to make sure that it's communicated clearly, and you're mm-hmm. you know here's what we're trying to do, here's our progress today, here's how we're measuring it, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's one of the points we made, I think, last week, wasn't it, about the importance of employees in this? Now, just to sort of walk that back a little bit, is are we are we saying that it is important for all organizations that take a position on some of these things on, on the CSR is it now are we now at a point where um where we need to consider it and maybe if we if we choose not to we need to do that consciously if you like you know it's something It's something all communicators from a business now need to consider but also consider that maybe it's not for them
1: Well, I would say that all corporate boards should be Mm -hmm. thinking about their role in a more sustainable environment and economy going forward. Because for one, the economy is going to be... I mean, in terms of the way the economy runs on our energy systems and use of of materials and stuff, is going to be changing radically mm-hmm. over the next couple of decades. So, so to an extent, if you're not thinking about this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're basically putting the blinders on and at some point you're going to realize you're you're going to be pulled up yeah. short because you haven't you haven't made those advances. And then if you think about yourself as a responsible organization you know within within your you know within your society then it's like well I, I've got employees I've got I've got the way my yeah. business runs I've got my suppliers I really should be thinking about what are those areas that I can impact and what makes sense for us as an organization um you know because there are for many of these things there are multiple benefits you know it's like yeah. you can you can save on uh, pollution. You can save on money. You can, you know, yeah. so you, so yeah. there's, there could be a, a, business benefit that is beyond just the, the yeah. more altruistic social benefit.
0: But is there? I mean, is there a point at which you need to figure out whether it's your place to talk about it? Do you know, what I mean, that you have, um, permission, to talk about these these topics as a brand as a marketing team as, as a common unit of comms you know it do it, there is there a certain level of needing to deserve to be in that conversation that's how you get that balance of greenwashing because you need to earn the right to play if you like yeah I, I think you do
1: and I think you need to I mean, one of the first things that as a as a marketer who is uh you know having a role in a sustainability program is that you need to make sure that you are understanding what the the story you're going to be building is. So is sustainability core to the business? Uh, You know, is the, where is the business going to be in terms of either driving to a more sustainable world or participating, Uh, you know, and is that really about responding to the future demands of your customers? Is Mm -hmm. it about improving your supply chain? Is it about helping your employees? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and is it just purely about the way the business conducts itself in terms of consuming stuff, consuming energy, consuming right. food, consuming space? Uh, right. You know, so there's so the thing is that there there's so many different aspects to this that I think that every company can determine what its role is and make sure that the not just the story you're building, but exactly what you're doing. Yeah. relates to your business and its role
0: in society so your position on this is that all brands that that all companies can i mean you've talked about various impacts that a company can have right and yeah. that all companies have this opportunity to have a impact that would be relevant for them and would be quite you know that they would have the right to 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 talk about yep yeah and
1: you can also determine like the level of, of which this is important for your brand to um mm-hmm. to communicate so you could be you know you could be like uh i mean you, you could say you know every we feel that every company needs to have a corporate sustainability program and so we have one and here's what we're doing even though what you're doing may be fairly we I would hate to say you know limited but you know it may be fairly yeah. small in terms of overall impact or it might be that you know we're like Amazon web services where we have you know banks of of um you know server farms that consume a huge amount of energy mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the examples I was going to talk about is that yeah. they're they've made a goal to move it all to 100% renewable energy power generation by 2025 and they have their right. own power and utility group that is right going out and, and determining where they can source that energy, whether it's from, you know, wind farms or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, to make sure that they hit that goal by twenty twenty five, which is, you know, I mean that's, that's just three years down the road. Yeah, so it's no that's not so. a yeah, yeah. that's
0: not a um that's not a small commitment. Yeah. So, where else do you think companies can have that impact? Then, so you said that I mean, big organisations like Amazon can look at their energy usage and they can they can make smart decisions around that, and they can talk about that and, and project that. Yeah. What, well, what other areas have you seen um, where companies can make an impact that that that's still going to resonate and, and yep. be something relevant to marketing? Well, I
1: think there are at least. And I mean, you can probably count this a number of different ways, but there are six areas that 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 I see um, across the different areas of of um, the sustainability programs and the reporting on the on the the impacts that um, that corporations or private companies can have a role in. So the first one, which we kind of touched on, like with Amazon Web Services, is reducing your You know, use of fossil fuels, your greenhouse gas emissions, um, increasing, you know, non-fossil fuels, like shifting your power sources to solar, wind, hydro, et cetera. Um, certainly Amazon is, is a great example of that. Um, I, we have an example. I have an example, I should say in my own backyard, University Mm -hmm. of Massachusetts generates, uh, 10 megawatts of power, um, with, um solar panels that are used as kind of um, they're sort of above all the parking lots. So everywhere there's a parking lot. So we're an area where I should say that's a facility has a lot of parking lots (laughs) and they have these, they have these solar canopies uh, with power stations for charging EV cars, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They save a half a million dollars a year. uh, And, and basically they're kind of in control of their own power consumption in terms of what they pull from utilities versus what they, you know what they um uh, uh what they can generate themselves and um you know and they're sort of on a roll of just continuing to you know do more and more and more along this area because they've got right. a huge you know they've got a huge Campus. set of land that they're yeah. working with yeah. yeah and and oftentimes when you're thinking about you know power consumption like that you know you, most of us think first about a manufacturer but you mm-hmm. know, certainly umass is an example of where you know they're not a manufacturer, but they've they've mm. but they allow you know a lot of universities or big areas with big physical plants. You know over the time have uh, had their own power generation. It just used to be coal, yeah, or an oil plant. Um, another thing is the, is is thinking along these same lines though is is the buildings that they're heating, air conditioning, and there's a great example if you go to the uh, Amazon web service um, power and utility website, there's a great example of this group called carbon lighthouse that uses uh, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning to reduce uh, building emissions. And it's like, they've been able to reduce the equivalent of 11 power plants. Wow. uh, And and just from the better use, more sensible use of heating, air conditioning in, uh, you know, large commercial buildings. So it's, so there's a there's a lot. So that that's under the kind of reducing use of fossil fuels, which leads me to the second area, which is a which is very tightly related, which is improving air quality. Right. Um, you know, so like we here in Massachusetts, but 8000 people die every year due purely due to illnesses. that They're directly related to poor air quality. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly, you know, you know, sometimes in other parts of this country, you know, that, that could also be in rural areas for us. That's mostly in, you know, tight urban areas that, that the emissions are largely driven by transportation. So Mm -hmm. anything, you know, a company or, or an organization can do to reduce uh, traffic uh, or elect, electrifying traffic. Um, I know when I was at, um, at, uh, when I worked at Pegasystems, we had a, you know, we, we got, um, basically uh funding for our use of public transportation so we could right. we could kind of buy a pass on the t you know one because we were in a tight urban area but it's mm-hmm. just i mean that was just that's part of like being a good corporate citizen mm-hmm. also helping your employees and then also making sure that you're impacting the the you know, mm-hmm. local um local air quality
0: right and so that's um yeah, so really helping your employees make that transition from their own cars to public transportation by paying yep. for it. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um A third area is in reducing solid waste, and and mm-hmm. this is you know this is probably an area where you know more if you're in manufacturing, agriculture, mm-hmm. food processing, et cetera, where where this this plays a big part. But you know yeah. through recycling, through reuse, through looking at the materials you source. Looking through, sort of the the post consumption recycling Mm -hmm. of your products, you can have a big impact. And this is an area that not only you know can help um, you know improve the the develop or um, improve the uh, or say reduce the solid waste that you create, Mm -hmm. but it also can drive up the efficiency and lower costs in you know internally. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of win wins in this, and it's a you know figuring out what your impact with this is is. fairly easy to do um uh although the devil's probably in the details but it is it's something where you can you can really determine that there is a, a, a substantial impact
0: um Tyler, so, and, oh, go ahead uh so um, i thought we we're moving on to measurement there so that sounds to me like the key area where you're going to be trusted and credible and you'll avoid that sort of greenwashing um uh, tarnish right if you're actually measuring that kind of impact
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and and um yeah and it sort of uh i'll actually i'll, I'll hit measurement in a in a second mm-hmm. i'll just hit the yeah. other couple of things because the the other so two of the other areas are very tightly related to reducing solid waste so one's reducing mm-hmm. water consumption so again how yeah. are we withdrawing water how are we using it how are we discharging yeah. it how are recycling it, food systems. I mean, in the U.S., forty percent of our food is wasted. So, you know, yeah. what's what's a company's role in the food chain? Whether it's your own cafeterias or whether you're looking yeah. at supporting local agriculture and food distribution. Yeah. Um, and then the last area I was just going to touch on was um, improving resilience, um, which is primarily. Uh, an area of public policy of, you know, how do you move people out of Mm -hmm. flood prone areas? How do you improve infrastructure, your facilities? How do you prevent subways from flooding like happened in New York Mm -hmm. and in China this past summer? So, you know, as a corporate citizen, you know, how can the company determine how it participates in those, um, those infrastructure projects from a, you know, sort of public private uh, partnership with, with your, 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 you know, with whatever your government, you know, whether it's the city, state, province,
0: government. But these are big things, right? These are big ideas and, and they're um, t- big topics to tackle. And if, if you know, the listeners are primarily, you know, we, we're, we're a bunch of marketers and I know that we play a role in communicating this stuff, but how do we take this stuff to the rest of the C-suite and encourage that the company takes on a csr you know a, a corporate social responsibility or and picks up some of these issues. Well i think
1: a couple of ways one one is that i mean one of my reasons for going through the those lists of six things is to yeah. is to say that so if you're if you're thinking about what the the story of sustainability for your organization is you you're not you're not going to do all six right? i mean maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. you know if you're a, you know a gigantic car company or something like that all six play a role but it's like typically what you're doing is you're saying here's an area that we can have an mm-hmm. impact and we should be having an impact and and it's something that we can um Measure and report on, so we have a credible story about sustainability. so so, one is you could you know run these ideas up the flagpole and say, yeah. "Hey, here's an area where you know we can um, play a significant part in sustainability. And by the way, here's ways that we can measure it right um, and And you know one of the things that that is certainly uh, a relatively new phenomenon is that there are a number of organizations that are you know, trying to provide the standards for how to measure Mm -hmm. progress on these things. And there's a, there actually is a global sustainability standards board. They're headquartered in Amsterdam uh, and, and they have a global reporting initiative, which has, you know, dozens and dozens of templates for how you measure social responsibility. And they have a whole section that is purely on the areas we've just been talking about environmental responsibility. So You know, you can, you can, you know, uh, and uh, we can provide the link to those uh, website for that, because that's where, and and I mean, actually all these reports that it's a template, but they talk about a lot of the examples. So it's, it's where a marketer could start to say, ah, I see, I see an area where we can have an impact, we can measure Mm -hmm. it, we can, we can communicate it and, uh, uh, and, you know, form a credible story about our impact on sustainability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it is obviously obviously it's like there's the adage you know if you can't measure it you can't improve Mm. it but also if you can't (laughs) you know you've got to be able to you can't if you can't measure it you can't effectively communicate about your your sustainability efforts right
0: so it sounds to me like um we should try and pick how how what's appropriate for our company and our brand to impact so that we are relevant and have permission to have that discussion and don't look you know like we're making shit up then we need to pick something where we can actually have a measurable impact on it and is that measurement then both in terms of how we're impacting the wider world and how we're actually impacting our own company like yes because obviously the cf you know you may have some hard-nosed executive who just thinks this is all bullshit and politics and and that kind of stuff but how do we then demonstrate this is actually good for our business
1: well I mean I think that's where uh, the the measurement does help you do that and it it helps also make sure that that the organization and the people you're communicating this to realize that this yeah. is this is good business it's it's part of being a good global corporate citizen but it's also yeah. good business and and again if you I mean thinking back to our last program where we talked about yeah. all the potential Changes and impacts that we have over the next couple of decades. If you mm-hmm. if you don't put your company on a path where it is either participating or uh, playing a, a role for itself in a more mm. sustainable future, then
0: mm. you
1: know then you you're, you will eventually be left behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Plus, of course, you know um, what I what I've seen and what I've participated in is that. You have an audience that you're trying to um, sell to, which isn't buyers, which is people that want, which is talent, which is people that want to join your organisation, right? So, I think people are increasingly thinking about these things and about in terms of what the employee brand is and what it, what kind of organisation they're joining, whether our values are aligned. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about values in terms of us, us as marketers aligning with the buyers values but also we need to align with the values of the people we want to we want to hire because at the moment I don't know particularly in the US but I listened to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about how right now there's a there's a huge boom in in employment at the moment There, there are lots of vacancies particularly in marketing and senior technology positions and stuff like that and 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 you know you you've got to attract the best talent right now. Yep. Yep. And
1: it also can have an impact on who you are doing business with because yes. if you're part of a value chain. And yeah. someone in that value chain is uh, looks at sustainability mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, um, you know, as a qualification for doing business with other companies, yeah. then you want to put yourself in a position to, to be able to report on what you're doing yeah. or how you can participate in, in their value chain uh, yeah. and make sure you're helping on their sustainability efforts.
0: Cool. Yeah. Right. So did we, co- you said you were going to come back to measurement. I think we, did we cover the points?
1: Yes, we covered. And, I, and I, again, the, the, organi- <laughs> yeah, <right>. the, <laughs> the organization, I mean, so there's this, um, you know, global reporting initiative, GRI. Yeah. Um, which I think is very helpful in terms of understanding about measurement. Also the interesting yeah. thing is that, uh, is that I saw that the, the big, or accounting firms
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: globally are are really trying to work themselves on mm-hmm. how to create and or adopt these these standards in the old, yeah. in the old work they're doing because there are a lot of organizations who you know are or actually there are a lot of investment firms um, like mm-hmm. BlackRock that said they want to know what the sustainability sure. efforts and programs are of the people they're investing in. So right, right. So you know whether it's the consumer, whether it's people you're hiring, whether it's right. you know other companies that want to do business with you or invest with you. Yeah, um, this is an area in which there's going to be a lot of inspection.
0: Right. So it could become another brand index. Right. So when we look at yep. the power of brands, it might it, that sustainability. There'll be an index by which we're all measured against this.
1: There actually, they're actually Already is a return on sustainability index. Uh, wow, another which, link. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> and uh, at, at some point, uh, you know, like many things, like like a lot in accounting, uh, this will all shake down to, you know, what are the yeah. ones that all the big accounting firms will recognize. But, uh, yeah. yes, it's out cool. there.
0: Excellent, right. Well, that's that's a spending conversation. So that's how, I mean, if if we want to take out our, our Companies in the direction of CSR and how we how we in, how we start those initiatives, what we need to think about and how we need to measure those and you had some two great examples there with Amazon and UMass. Is there anybody else that you think is doing this really well right now? Well, I think
1: that that other example I have which I think was a great example of innovation was that um, that company that used AI and machine language to to just improve how mm-hmm. uh, heating and air conditioning is managed in in Inside. buildings called carbon lighthouse. Uh, there's actually a video on the AWS, uh, utility group website, which we'll provide a link to, but it's just, I mean, it's just another, it's one of many, many examples of, uh, of, you know, of how, uh, people are making really good, great progress in this area. So, so that's where, you know, not only if you're thinking about, you know, what is my company going to do, but Mm -hmm. what are the other resources Mm -hmm. out there that, that I can lean on to help us to, um. You know, yeah. to, to build the build sustainability and build the story about
0: it. Cool. We'll have a bunch of links I need to add to the show notes there. And that latest one was Carbon's Lighthouse, did you say? Carbon Lighthouse. Carbon yeah. Lighthouse. Right, cool. I've written that down. All right, splendid. Well, that's quite the topic. Thank you very much, Jeff. And I'm gonna remember this time because you noticed that last <laughs> week you <I> sort <laughs> of said goodbye and then remembered we need to put a song. <laughs> Do you have a song for this week?
1: Of course, track. I have a song. I mean, it's you know, it's like it's half my do. time preparing for this is <laughs> looking for yeah, a song like, that fits. Yeah, and I actually found one uh, from this century. It was released in this century, <laughs> not in this decade, but but not too long ago. Uh, it's <laughs> Cheryl Crow's "Soak
0: Up the Sun," released in cool. two thousand and two. Cool. So we're going to play out with Sheryl Crow, Soak Up the Sun from 2002. And will I see you on the show again next week, my friend? Yes. I'll we'll so- be back. Blended. And what topic do you think? Should we tease them with the topic we've already well, I, So I was thinking the next topic because we talked
1: mm-hmm. uh, a show or two ago about uh, assessing your marketing technology stack. And I think that um, uh, talking about how you build a business case and rationalize Mm -hmm. your next investments is a good place to pick that topic back
0: up all right yes and i will actually not to plug too much because it by the time i by the time i release this on saturday i'd have already done it but tomorrow i'm in amsterdam at the next web talking about marketing technology in a relationship with the with the the marketer. So so maybe next Maybe I should interview uh, you. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell you what we discussed on the panel. But anyway, yes, mate I will um yes, I'm off to Amsterdam tomorrow and um and when I release this I hopefully would have come back.
1: (laughs) Well and make sure when you're in Amsterdam to stop by the Global Reporting Institute and ask them about sustainability.
0: I will add that to my list. I'm sure that it's on the tour <laughs> in the top three things to see in Amsterdam. <laughs> well, that, right. that and you know the usual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, thank you very much for that. And I'll include all those links in the show notes, and I'll see you again next week. Sounds great. Cheers, mate.
1: Thank you very bye. much. Bye bye.
0: Thank you, Jeff. And that was Cheryl Crow and Soak Up the Sun from 2009. I think as we've discussed on the show before, CSR is not just about faking it to appear to be down with the millennials, but the business and consumers are changing. And it's just good business. And I'll include all the links you referred to in the show notes. And if you have any thoughts on that discussion or have suggestions for what we should be discussing, get in touch. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. As I mentioned, I was in Amsterdam this week at the next web event. It was a hybrid event this year and a reduced attendance around 4,500 people. I think normally they get about fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000 people. It's usually a pretty big deal here in Europe. I'm delighted to be invited to be on a panel on the main stage to discuss the relationship between the CMO and technology. I joined Stefan Grad, Strategic Director at Global Agency Overdose, and Dominic Angerer, CEO of Headless CMS Vendor Storyblock, and firing the questions at us, was Louise Dorn, an experienced CMO and now leading Mess a marketing as a service agency in the Netherlands. I believe the session will be available on demand, but I thought I might share a few things that came out of that discussion. as it's clearly a hot topic we've covered a lot on this year, especially recently. Louise introduced the session with a reference to the 8000 marketing technology tools on the market, referencing, of course, the work of Scott Brinker, the chief martech, which no discussion about marketing technology can fail to reference. I think it's pretty much the law. But it certainly sets the context for the challenge that marketing leaders face. But before we got into the tech, we got the ball rolling with a discussion about the CMO's alignment with the C-suite, which was interesting with a CMO, and, sorry, a CEO and founder on the panel. There was a board agreement that this was about alignment with business goals. You've probably heard me talk about this on the show when we've discussed trends such as the CMO being replaced by the chief growth officer or the apparently short tenure of the average CMO as symptoms of this. And I share the advice I picked up on this show in episode 65 from Richard Medcalf, who's an executive coach, talks to a lot of CEOs and CMOs. That if you are a VP of marketing or CMO sitting at the top table, it's not enough just to be the most qualified marketer in the room speaking fluent marketing, but a business partner speaking the language of the business. Continuing with the CMO, during the discussion, we got into the attributes of a good CMO. Do they need to be center stage leading the story or is it more of a supporting role? Do they need to be creative, analytical and all those things? And I think the conclusion was it depends, especially when it comes to founder CEOs. A, charis- a charismatic CEO might be the star of the story that they embody and just need help to tell it and operationalize the marketing back office. But an inventor founder that created the product might need some more help finding the market taking the product to market, discovering where to put it and how to talk about it. And they might be more of a backroom geek. They need some help with a CMO that's a bit more extroverted. And our discussion seemed to conclude that the C-suite is a partnership that might require different types of CMO depending on the needs of the business. For example, early stage, you need somebody who's really good at uh, awareness, for example and to drive the awareness of the business when, when, when it's a new start. But maybe a more established business needs more of an operational CMO who's hooked into finance and all of those things. As for having technical knowledge, well, the conclusion was yes. They needed, a CMO needs to understand at least the fundamentals or at least understand the language of how to talk to the IT folks, both in their agencies and in their business. And then as we duck into the attributes of the CMO, it was clear, that CMO needs to recognize their strengths and weaknesses, not just about whether they're strong technically, and form a team around them that is business-focused, technical, understands the marketing operations, is creative and data-led, and look at each of those attributes, figure out where they're strong and what help they need from either their marketing top team or from agencies. And then we discussed who owns marketing technology. According to this panel, it sat clearly with marketing operations, or at least a partnership between marketing operations and the corporate IT team. And it was clear that some discipline is needed, as we discussed our tendency as marketers to be attracted to shiny objects and a fear of missing out on the very latest marketing tech. You know that's what we're like. The risk, of course, as we've discussed on this show, is we create disconnected silos of content, data, and functionality. And while these shiny things seem to solve an immediate need, Long term, we're creating an operational nightmare. And on this, we discussed user adoption. Nothing kills the rollout of technology than users that hate it. The solution we discussed is a need to step back, establish requirements, and then evaluate the gaps and tools needed. You've heard me and Jeff talk about this probably, I think it was last week, about really understanding your requirements. Now, the thing is, if you understand your requirements before you talk to the vendor or before you get carried away with a shiny demo, is you can then defend, though, the need for this tool and defend those requirements as you go through the evaluation process and also afterwards when an executive or the CFO comes up to you and says, why did you buy this tool? And I also talked about the rather dull view of how the data and content would flow through it. So that's important, too, is when you look at these tools, are you creating these silos of data and content, or how would these things integrate with your existing content systems and data systems? And think about it from a long-term implication on people and processes. How will it change the way you work? Before the event, Louise ran a poll on what we should discuss. And the clear winner was marketing fuck-ups, as you can imagine. And there was a theme across the panel of examples of marketers buying tech badly. I shared a story about when I was in pre-sale selling to a new client who was replacing a content management solution that I knew had been incredibly expensive to implement and to purchase. But... I also knew from my experience that it could meet all their needs. I'd actually previously worked at that vendor, and they were telling us that it couldn't do certain things. But I know that it must have been implemented so badly with all the little workarounds and hooks and Band-Aids and and stuff, that it was just really difficult for them to get things done. So back to that idea that when users hate using a tool, it's got to go. And so they were intending to spend millions on throwing that baby out with the bathwater and starting again. There was plenty more we covered in 30 minutes. I'm looking forward to grabbing the recording to listen back to what my other panellists had to say. It was really weird because we were mic'd up so the audience could hear us, but it was actually because of the acoustics of the room. its was quite hard to hear each other. So I'm looking forward to hearing the subtlety of exactly what they said, and hopefully I've represented the view of the panel in this uh, little monologue that I've put together here. It was a really nice mix of folks on the panel. The next web did a really good job. Stefan brought super insight into people and process. And if you want to talk about the CMO CEO relationship, then bring a CEO to the table. And as the founder of fast growing CMS vendor Storyblock, Dominic shared what he's going through in terms of growing the company. It was great to get his perspective. And we were well managed by Louise. And the conversation over a beer afterwards, as you can imagine, was equally fascinating. I'll include links to all of these folks in the show notes. I encourage you to take a look at them, take a follow, and all that good stuff. And uh, I look forward to maybe having them here on the show. So that's a wrap on a slightly shorter episode 82 of the rockstar cmo effing marketing podcast i've been your host ian truscott and thanks again to jeff for joining me and for sharing his insight but most of all thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasty jukebox selecting our track and jiving along with us you can find all the links to the people and the topics we discussed in the show notes that of course you can find on your favorite podcatcher or at our podcast website rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes so does the world need another effing Martin podcast what do you think we are rockstar cmo on twitter and linkedin you can leave a rating or review in your favorite podcatcher or just keep listening i'm glad you're here next week normal service will resume jeff and i are planning to discuss building the business case of marketing technology i have a date with robert rose in the rockstar cmo virtual bar And thankfully, there'll be less of me as our guest slot returns. Until then, have a great week. Hope you'll again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM.